man, it's good to be here, huh? Week two, back together again. It's amazing. If you're joining us online, we're so happy that you are with us uh, as well. And um, I, I just want to take a minute and thank our team here at Antioch. And we have the privilege of having some of the best people in the world serving us week in and week out. And this team, our staff, has had to make plans and cancel those plans and shift and reshift and create and make things out of nothing over and over again. And they have done it uh, with incredible incredible attitudes and they have changed and moved and pivoted and shifted with joy in their heart and so I would love it if we could all not just Liz and I are so thankful for them but if we could all show them our thanks so if you are on our team or you are an intern here at Antioch could you stand up so people could see you interns staff bunch of people in the back people probably out outside. We love you guys. Thank you so, so much. Um, and uh, it, it, look, last week was the first time in a, in a long time for all of us, okay? And, and, and just, just to say it, just to remind us, okay, is that I would actually prefer if we would have a conversation and you wouldn't just sit there and act like you're bored. Okay, like, so if something hits you, like, if you like what you hear, let me know it. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can do this appropriately in church, right? You can say amen. You can say that's a good word, right? I mean, shoot, if it's really stirring you up, you could stand up. You could wave. You could take your mask off and wave it in the air just like you don't care. All right, but, but help me help you, okay? Can we just be in this together? Are you with me? All right. Even at home, come on, shout me down at home. Take a video, post it on Instagram. We, that would probably be hilarious. We've been in this series of talks, like Liz said, that we have called Tone. And, and what we've been doing over these past few weeks is really leaning into Galatians 5, verse 22 through verse 26, kind of as the foundation of this series of talks. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we, as those who follow Jesus, live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, and let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And this passage is, is telling us that who we are, who we are as followers of Jesus should reflect the kingdom that we are living from. Every aspect of, of our lives should look like, smell like, and feel like heaven, right? And, and you don't have to look very far to see 
that this list that Paul gives us in Galatians 5 uh, lines up almost in direct opposition to what we now find as the tone of our culture. And we have been asking ourselves over these past few weeks, now, are we affecting the tone that we are living in or are we being affected by the tone that we are living in? And today, I want to continue forward in this conversation with this passage of Scripture in 2 Samuel 11, verse 1 through 5. And this is what it says. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Midianites and besieged Rahab, and and, and David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed, walked around on the roof of the palace, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her, and the man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. And then She went back home, and the woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. Today, I want to talk to us about what happens when we get drunk on our own opinions. What happens when we get drunk on our own opinions? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that throughout our time, you are our guide. Thank you, Jesus, that your word is living and active, that you are here. And Lord, we're asking you would open up our hearts and our minds to be those who hear your voice. Lord, we do, as we do every week, we ask that you would get us out of the way, you'd get me out of the way, that your truth and your word and your kingdom would reign and rule and shape and guide us in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. You guys remember a few years back, um, the, the, the world discovered that if you put Mentos in soda, you guys remember this? It, you put Mentos in soda, there's like this eruption that's absolutely fascinatingly and somehow beautiful. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Now, for, tho- for, for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, we have a video for you. Check this out. When that came out, it took the world by storm. And what's interesting that I, that I actually did not know is that not everyone agreed on why this happened. There were like massive online debates 
about what reaction was actually taking place that would cause a piece of candy to explode a bottle of soda. And there were camps that became, I mean, they were like entrenched in what they thought. Some people were convinced that it was the sugar reacting with the soda. Now, other people who were logical thought, well, soda is nothing but sugar. So how could it be the sugar reacting with sugar? Right. Then some people are like, well, it has to be diet soda. Regular soda won't work. And then there's a camp that says, no, diet soda doesn't work. It has to be regular soda. And then other people are like, no, it has nothing to do with what soda you do. It has everything to do with the candy that you put in there. Right. And, and so this like huge online debate was exploding on the Internet as people are trying to figure out what in the world is actually happening when you drop Mentos, this little cross candy between gum and a mint into a bottle of soda that would create this like fizz explosion. Now, look, everybody just take a deep breath because on your behalf, I have spent all week entrenched in research so that I could bring clarity to this national debate. Okay, do you guys want to know why this is actually happening? Now, how many of you have ever held a Mentos in your hand? Most people, okay? Mentos, they kind of have a chalky yet smooth texture to them, right? Now, what's interesting is if you look at a Mentos under a microscope, they're not smooth at all. They actually look like the surface of the moon. They're covered in like little divots and craters, and it's crazy. Now, now this blew me away. What happens when the Mentos falls into the soda is that as the Mentos falls through the soda, all of those little divots create a surface area where the caffeination that is in the liquid has space on the candy to develop a very small bubble. And this just keeps happening millions and millions and millions of times as the Mentos is falling from the top of the bottle to the bottom of the bottle. And then all of a sudden, there's so many bubbles in the bottle that the bubbles have to come shooting out of the bottle, right? Just a full-on fizz explosion. That's deep stuff. That's super deep stuff. Now, now, you might be thinking to yourself, what is it in the world does this have to do with David and Bathsheba? <laughs> that's, a valid, that's a very valid question. But here it is. Isn't it amazing how something so simple, so small, when it hits the right environment, can become explosive? So, something so simple. Man, y'all going to be fun today. I thank you. Thank you. Something so simple, so small, when it hits the right environment, it becomes explosive. Look, there is nothing inherently wrong with a Mentos candy. Now, I'm sure if all you ate was Mentos, you would run into problems. But there's nothing wrong with the candy itself. They're pretty enjoyable to eat. I like a Mentos from time to time. In and of itself, not a big deal. But when that simple piece of candy hits an environment that it rubs against, that simple piece of candy creates an explosive mess. Some of the things that we find ourselves in the middle of today are kind of like this. In and of themselves, 
not terribly bad. From time to time, not a problem. But when they hit the right environment, can become explosions of mess. Like the, the constant flow of information and connection that we have access to today. In and of itself, that is not bad. It's not bad that we have access to news of all kinds at all times. That in and of itself is not bad. It's not bad that you can push a button on your phone and within minutes, a car will come and pick you up where you are and take you where you want to go. That is not bad. That's actually amazing if you don't want to deal with parking downtown, right? Is it bad that in an instant we can connect with friends and family, maybe that we have lost touch with? No, that's not bad. That, that's, that's amazing. Is it really bad that anybody at any time can post what they see and how they see what they see? Right, that, that all of us can share what we love to the world and we can show the world how we see the world. Is that bad? Is that inherently bad? No, that's not inherently bad. It's not bad. But just like Mentos, when those things hit the right environment, it can create an explosive mess. Please hear me, okay? We just had you take your phones out and take a picture of a QR code. <laughs> I'm not saying that technology in and of itself is bad. I don't think that technology is bad. I think technology is amazing. There, there's so much good that's come from these huge steps that we've taken as we've been leaning forward and learning how to build things that can really push us forward as a society and, and, and to make better places for us to live and grow. But we also have to understand that the companies that run the sites that we use daily, most of us use multiple times a day, have gotten so good at knowing us and knowing what we want to see that they only show us those things. So this is a fact. Depending on where you live in the country, you type in climate change in Google. What Google will suggest for you as options to help narrow your search will be determined by where you live. So if you live in a place that has a majority opinion that climate change is political, Google will suggest to you climate change is a hoax for you to look at. If you live in an environment where the majority opinion is that climate change is destroying the planet that we love, then the suggested search that Google will give you to help you narrow your search will be climate change is increasing. The win for these sites is not to give us the right information. The win for these sites are to get us to come back. 
The win for these sites are not to give us the right information. They're to get us to come back and to keep coming back so that they can build an experience that's crafted just for us. And some of you are like, I thought I came to church. I'm like at a weird technology TED Talk where the guy is using Mentos as his primary example for what is happening in culture. I thought I would, look, I understand. Let me, let me try to bring it in a little bit. When all we hear is what we want to hear, and all we see reinforces what we believe, and all we consume is pushing us deeper and deeper into one camp, what happens is what I like to call self-intoxication. Meaning that we get drunk on our own ideas. And when we get drunk on anything, it leads to horrible decision-making. Anybody have a past? Right? When you get drunk, you do things that you never would have done when you weren't drunk. And this can happen to all of us on just about anything because when we start to think that the way we see things is the only way to see them it always leads to frustration division and ultimately destruction second samuel chapter 11 verse 1 in the spring at the time when kings go off to war david sent joab out with the king's men and the whole israelite army but David remained in Jerusalem by this point okay in David's life for years for years there had been songs written about how amazing he what the people were literally singing David's praises David had seen God do some pretty spectacular things on his behalf. He was a warrior. He was a conqueror. He was a worshiper. And David's life was full of story after story of impossible victories and breakthrough, where the only explanation was God was for them. Therefore, who could stand against them? But the trap when all we hear is what we want to hear is self-intoxication. David, who at this point had led the people through war and into a time of peace, started to drink his own Kool-Aid. He slowly started pushing the people away that would ground him and balance him. And he surrounded himself with people that just thought that he was great. He sent his guys, David's mighty men. He says, you guys go and I will stay. It says that when the kings went off the war, David stayed home. He sent his guys away because he wanted to get more drunk on his way. He was drunk on the idea that there was nothing that he could do that would be wrong. 
He had become convinced that there was nothing that he could personally do that would screw up what he had been given. So he surrounded himself with people that thought that what he wanted was right. What he thought was good and, and, and where he wanted to go and how he saw things were fact. But no matter who you are, as soon as you get full of you, who knows what you will do? As soon as you get full of you, who knows what you will do? David, 2 Samuel, verse 11, or chapter 11, was so intoxicated, so self-intoxicated, so drunk on himself that this man that is described as being a man after God's own heart, a guy that, that had a tender, famously tender heart towards God. He would lay his heart before the Lord in challenge and in triumph. Uh, David time and time again would focus on, on what God had said regardless of the opposition and the challenges that he was facing. And when he did that, David made great decisions. But when you are drunk, you don't do the things you normally would do. You hear what I'm saying? And when he started to get drunk on himself, the wisdom that had guided him, the things that were in his life that had protected him for years in a moment turned to foolishness. And David, who, who should have never been where he was when he was alone, he was opened up to the consequence of isolation and self-intoxication, which is vulnerability to explosion. And David didn't just see Bathsheba. He didn't just watch Bathsheba. He sent for her. He committed adultery with her. And he was so full of himself. Instead of owning what he did, he tried to get her husband to come in and to sleep with her so that he could hide what he had done. And when that man ended up being an honorable man, he had him killed. So how do you go from writing Psalms 15 Listen to Psalms 15, same guy. How do you go from writing Psalms 15, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? This is David, who may live on your holy mountain, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does, not wrong, does no wrong to his neighbor and casts no slur on others who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. How do you go from writing Psalm 15 to then becoming an adulterer, a manipulator, and a murderer. You get drunk on yourself. You get drunk on yourself. That's what happens. That's how it happens. You get drunk on yourself. And when you get drunk, you do things you never would have done when you were sober. Self-intoxication leads to to implosion. Let me say that again. Self 
intoxication leads to implosion. Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as he thinks within himself, so is he. We have found it means to be a people that affect the tone that is around us and not just to be affected by the tone that's around us. And as we've been doing that, we have found ourselves leaning in time and time again to Romans 12, verse 2, which says, excuse me, do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The transformation that happens in us, right? That shift, that change that we experience in our lives as we connect to who God is and who he's called us to be. That transformation happens in us as we begin to connect to the thoughts that we allow to reside within us. There's a connection with transformation in us and the thoughts we allow to live in us. And I believe that when Paul is listing some of the things that, that should be markers on who we are as those who have been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit and the invitation of Jesus that he gave to us by giving us an opportunity to be forgiven of our sin, washed clean, and made whole as we believe in him and surrender our life to him. This, this list that is called the, the fruit of the Spirit, right? To, to be ones who are full of love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And self-control, right? Now, look, I think we need to understand that self-control is speaking to more than just it's important that we just like don't do things that tempt us. It's not just about like saying no to the temptation of sin. Like self-control, what he's leaning into here is it's to be in control of the things that we allow to shape how we think. Listen listen to the definition of self-control. It's the ability to control oneself, in particular one's emotions. The ability to control oneself, in particular, one's emotions and desires, or this is my favorite, or the expression of them in one's behavior. Self-control is bigger than just being able to control our tongues and not to do this and not to eat that. Self-control is also about controlling how we feel because how we feel will shape how we behave. And before we do anything that we do, say anything that we say, it starts with a thought in our brain. Every single thing, right? Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as a man thinks within himself, so is he. For as long as there's been sin in the world and a devil, the father of lies roaming around, There has been a battle for our minds and thoughts, and it has always been a fight. But today, the cards are stacked against us because we are consuming information in ways that are handcrafted for us to reinforce what we want to see and only what we want to see. To hear what we want to hear and only what we want to hear. Not just about the things that we agree with, 
but also to show us the things that as we agree with one camp that we hate about the camp that we don't agree with. And it's designed to get us drunk on our own ideas. And the evidence of this is the effectiveness of this pandemic we're in the middle of, of self-intoxication. Our society is drunk on its own opinions. Our culture is, is drunk on its own opinions. And when we're drunk, we do things that we would never do when we're sober. Self-intoxication always leads to implosion. What's happening all across our country are people that are so angry at people that disagree with them that there's nothing that is off limits to say or to do to them. And you might be saying like, look, well, I don't do that. Like, I'm not... I'm, I'm not showing up shouting at people. I'm not throwing firebombs at people. I'm not blowing up stuff. I'm not going on Facebook and writing these four-page rants. I'm not doing that. But we're all still fighting against this temptation, against self-intoxication. And we see it emerging in our relationships. We see it emerging in our jobs and, and how we interact with one another, how we interact with authority, how we interact with our bosses and our teams. When our thoughts on what we think should be done, how it should be done and when it should be done are the only thoughts that matter. And, and, and anything that you experience creates friction it doesn't lead to a conversation, but it leads to anger and frustration. We're all walking down a road of getting drunk on our own ideas. And when we are drunk, we do things, we say things we never would do when we're sober. And our hope in this is that we can take control of what we allow our hearts and minds to dwell on. Proverbs 4.23 says, So above all, guard the affection of your heart. For they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Input has a direct connection to output. Input has a direct correction, connection to output. He, hear me, I, I'm not saying that the godly thing to do is to get off social media. I'm not saying that. Uh, to never go to Facebook, to never go to Twitter, and to judge everybody who does, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is we need to wake up and understand what these things are doing to us. That the division that we are experiencing in our culture did not just happen. It didn't just happen. We have to understand that what I see when I search for the pressing issues in the world is not necessarily what you see when you search for the pressing issues of the world because the messages are crafted. They are designed so that we will want to come back, not that we would leave informed. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be sober-minded. Be sober-minded, be watchful. 
Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The call of this verse for all of us is to sober up our minds. To sober up our minds. Do you hear what I'm saying? To sober up our minds, to take control of what we're inputting into our minds and our hearts. Because input has a direct effect on output. Look, some of us might need to delete some apps, turn off some notifications, narrow our view of what we're seeing if we find ourselves intoxicated and we're trying to make our way to sobriety. Look, if, if you were an alcoholic in the traditional sense and you wanted to stop drinking, you would not keep going to a bar after work. You would replace that space with a new place. Right? You would replace that space with a new place. We need to replace some of the spaces in our mind with a new place. Colossians 3 verse 2 says this. Set your mind on things above. It doesn't say set your mind on the problems of today. It doesn't say set your mind on what frustrates you about our government. It doesn't say set your mind on the problems that you see everywhere on the news. It says set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And you used to walk in these ways. This used to be who you were. But you've been transformed. So Romans 12, 2, don't conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You used to walk in these ways. In your life, you once lived, but now, but now, somebody say, but now, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger. Quit thinking it's okay for you to be mad. Oh man, angry Christians make me frustrated. Frustrated. We got a judge. We don't need you to be our judge. Well, I better get off that before I. <sighs> Rid yourself of these things anger, rage, malice, slander. Get rid of it, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Right? For as he thinks within himself, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. Input has a direct effect on output. We have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our mind. We have to guard our thoughts. We have to guard what we look at. We got to guard what we read. We got to guard what we input because input has a direct effect on output. We have to take authority on what we're allowing to reside in our 
minds because the world needs, what the world needs right now is not more drunk people. There's enough drunk people doing drunk people things right now. The world does not need more drunk people. What the world needs is sober-minded people. Sober-minded people, heaven-minded people, Jesus-centered people. And in a minute, I'm going to pray. And if you're hearing this today, and, and, and you know there's areas in your heart, there's areas in your mind where, where you've gotten a little tipsy on your ideas. The good news for you, the good news for me is that all of us can come to Jesus right now, repent of our pride, and receive His grace. So wherever you are, I want you to do business with God. If you're in the room, I want you to stand to your feet. If you're at your home, if you're comfortable, stand up with us because I don't want us to move past this moment. I believe this is a wake-up call from heaven to us to sober up our minds. To be heaven-minded, Jesus-centered people that are not drunk on our own ideas, but we are drunk on the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that in Proverbs 3, verse 34, it says that you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. So God, we humbly come to you with the areas in us where we have become conceited with our own thoughts. And we ask that you would consume us and soften us and wash us from every way that we have been deceived by ourselves. And God, I ask that we would find ourselves sober-minded, heaven-minded, Jesus-centered. God, that we would, we would guard our hearts, we guard our minds, that we would understand that what we input is gonna have a direct effect on output. And Lord, I'm asking that right now that you would sober us up, Jesus, as the church. Sober us up, Lord, across this room. Let the power of the Holy Spirit and the transformation that comes when we surrender our lives to you consume us and captivate us and bring real lasting change to us. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody shout it. Amen.